The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the eighth chapter. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you did not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the gospel of the Lord. You guys remember those of you who are out of school, being in school, grade school, or probably high school, doing tongue twisters in your English class. Your English teacher has that grin on her face as she comes out and says, I want you to read this sentence, and hands you a piece of paper, or has it written on the board, and I think the one most people kind of have in their memory is what Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers, and so on and so forth. The one that sticks in my memory from Mrs. Schreiber at Lincoln High School was, she sells seashells by the seashore. Now, my personal favorite, and I've probably done it with a few of your kids or grandkids because it's really hard, is to say toy boat five times really fast. You can't do it, try it, not now, try it later when you get out of church. Just toy boat, say it five times rapidly and you won't make it past the third one. We think about tongue twisters and we hear them or read them and we think, well, this is the hardest thing to say in the English language. It's the hardest thing to say probably in any language. Every language, of course, has their versions of tongue twister. But I would say that tongue twisters are not the hardest thing. Of the hard things that we could say, the hardest thing, I think, to say in our language is the words, I was wrong. That is hard. It's not a tongue twister, but that is a hard thing to get out of the mouth, to have come off the tongue. 
tongue twisters are hard because of the complexity, right? The syllables and the alliteration and things like that. But these words, I was wrong, are hard for a very different reason. It's a humbling thing to admit you're wrong, right? You often think about it in terms, in the back of your mind, and the sense of like, well, I've just lost a little bit of credibility. I can't walk around as proud as I once did because now I'm on record if I say these words that I don't bat a thousand, as it were. It's even worse when we want to double down on something. We've already said, no, I'm not wrong, and we know we're wrong, and we just want to keep going up the facade of not being wrong, and we don't want to say I was wrong because then we have to admit all of those times we knew that we were wrong but we didn't say we were wrong that we were wrong. That's almost a tongue twister in and of itself, isn't it? Well, these words, I'm sorry, I was wrong, are the things that the Jews in John's Gospel lesson today have such a hard time getting out of their mouth. Of course, the nation of Israel, the people of Judah, had waited centuries for the Messiah to come. Of course, the Messiah was promised to all of humanity. We know that from Genesis after the fall. But he was promised specifically to Abraham and to his descendants. Through one of his descendants, one of his seed, the whole world would be blessed. It's the promise of Messiah. And so it was for Israel and Judah year after year. Cycle of sin, repentance and grace. Cycle of misery after misery. It went on. And then finally, it happened. God kept his promise. He did what he said he would do. He sent who he said he would send. The fullness of time came and God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the wall, as Paul writes. The Christ had come to Judah. David's son and David's Lord had appeared. And just as he promised, he came first to his own, to the blood children of Abraham, but they received him not. It wasn't the Messiah that they wanted. It wasn't the Messiah that they had in their head that he ought to be. He ought to look like doing the things that he ought to do. He was not a strong political leader. Read the Gospels. It's not even the beginning of what Jesus came and was trying to do during his ministry. Left and right, he's spending time with all of the wrong sorts of people. Sinners and tax collectors. And what is he doing? But he's preaching good news to the poor, not it's time to rise up against the Romans. Of course, it is obvious, reading the Gospels and knowing the Old Testament, that Jesus indeed was and is who he said he was. He had the right lineage, came from the right family in the tribe of Judah. All the signs were there, healing miracles, fixing all the broken parts of God's fallen creation. He preached good news to the poor, and when the opportunity was there, he would open the scriptures to the people gathered around to hear him concerning himself, how he was, in fact, the Christ who was coming into the world. No doubt, Jesus was and is the Christ of God, the one that God promised the prophet greater than Moses who would arise from his brothers but his opponents couldn't bring themselves around to that. They couldn't admit it. They couldn't say it for what he truly was. They didn't receive him first and foremost. 
And they kept doubling down time and again. And when it became abundantly clear as time went on that Jesus was of God, not of the devil, they didn't stop and turn around and say as many times as they had to, I was wrong, we were wrong. Those words are not in their hearts and they don't even begin to come across their lips. The best that they can do, as John records for us in today's third lesson, is to just fling insults at him, slanders of accusations. Isn't it true that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? That's the best that they can do. It doesn't sound too much like, I'm sorry, we were wrong to me. A problem I see personally time and again in our age is people not believing what is true, things that are true. That is to say they don't accept things that are objectively correct. Preference and self-perception, that's what rules most people, I think, in the time and place we live. The question that we ought to be asking about everything, is this truly so, is this real, has been replaced by, can I? Can I do this? Can I believe that? It makes getting to the point, this frame of thinking makes getting to the point of ever saying the words, I was wrong, so much harder to ever arrive at. Because after all, we are in essence living in a time when we're asking the same question that Pilate asked at Jesus' trial. What is truth? What is truth? And so people create reality for themselves. And we live in a time and a place where we treat our own conclusions as the supreme. But unfortunate for anybody who does indeed think that way, the world does not work that way. The line I've always loved that kind of addresses this way of thinking is, well, maybe you don't want to believe in gravity. Maybe you don't believe in gravity, but guess what? Gravity believes in you, so don't try and jump off of something saying, I believe I can fly. Space Jam set aside, it's not going to work. You're not going to fly. And that is indeed the fact of the matter. What is, is. And what isn't, isn't. God is true, even if a hundred men, even if a hundred thousand men, even if a hundred million men call him a liar and say that he is not. The Jews didn't like Jesus saying that he was the Christ. It didn't change anything. He still was. He still is. The Jews didn't like. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Using words that anybody who knew the Old Testament would be a very clear confession, I am the God of the Old Testament, as the Lord said to Moses in the burning bush. I am who I am. They didn't like that, but he certainly still was. They would have then stoned him for the words that he said when he said these things, and of course later they would even crucify him for them. But what did that do? What did that change? It changed nothing. It changed absolutely nothing. The truth was, in spite of their best efforts, still the truth. And so I think that that's for us today a good lesson to learn. It's always good to learn from other people's mistakes so we don't make the same ones. It's not that we, ourselves, here and now, don't believe that Jesus is the Christ and he is God. Of course, we're Christians. We already believe that. But rather, I think the lesson for us is that we should not reject ever the truth 
because it grates against our own sensibilities and our own ideas. If God's word says X, Y, or Z, then that's his will. His will for morality, his will for teaching and doctrine, his will for our life. So as we hear it, as we read it, as we learn it, let's not conform his word to us, but rather as Christians, let us endeavor to conform ourselves to his word. God is God and we are not. So instead of trying to kick against the goads, let's follow the narrow path that leads to life.